I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome into the Important Nonsense Podcast Week 9 Recap Edition. It was another wonderful week in the world of fantasy football, and I am so thankful that I get to recap it for you, especially because we get the return of Dr. Dynasty, John Chansey. John, it is so good to have you back. How's it going, buddy? Hey, Jack. It is absolutely great to be back. It's glad to be out of it. I'm just so happy to be out of the dark. Uh, I really, truth be told, though, I, I think I gave some bad betting picks the last time I was on the pod, so I had to pack a toothbrush and go out on the lam. Uh, just kidding, though. All jokes aside, I'm back. I feel like I'm better than ever. I'm a little sleep-deprived, though. My fiance and I, we got a puppy this last Friday, and uh, her name is Pumpkin, and I'm just going to throw that out there. I think we I can nominate her as the official uh puppy of uh, important nonsense we can get legal on that and see what shakes out but i'm just gonna throw that out there this episode oh congratulations i am so excited to have pumpkin coming around now that is amazing and be sure to follow john on twitter at dynasty phd and on instagram at scouser underscore from underscore okc and i hope we're gonna get some puppy pics on that instagram account because we deserve that Anyways, the man earned the doctor because he is brilliant. And while my other host may not be a doctor, that doesn't make him any less brilliant. Joining me once again is the uber-intelligent IDP MVP of Important Nonsense, Nee Wallace-Bruce. Nee, my friend, how are you this week? I'm good, Jack. And last Tuesday was huge. I just have to say that moves were made that will shape the course history from coast to coast of the United States. Some people will be happy, and others will be disappointed and demand change. I am, of course, referring to the NFL trade deadline. This is also a friendly reminder that the trade deadlines are coming up in our fantasy league, so keep them in mind. Also, Des Bryant and Antonio Brown made their return to the league on the same day today. It's like we've wound the clock back to 2012 or something. What year is this? I don't even know, but I do know that it is a pleasure to have you back, my friend. And for those listening, be sure to follow me at the real NWB on Instagram because you don't want to miss a thing that this man says, types, or writes. Head on over to importantnonsense.com. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at NonsenseFF to get the content that the three of us, along with many other fantabulous people, put out on the daily. But with that, let's get to the show. And for those who have listened to the show in the past, you already know this, but for those who are new, my contract says that I am in charge, which means I control the show sheet and I get to pick the first game. So we will once again start with my Baltimore Ravens and a W. First half was ugly for the Ravens, not going to lie. Had under 60 yards on offense and went into the half down 10 to 7 to the Colts with the 7 coming on a fumble return by safety Chuck Clark. But the Ravens came back to life in the second half and get the win. Mar Jackson, I get it. It was one of the best defenses in the league, and we they did have to shuff, reshuffle the offensive line. New starters at left tackle, right guard, and right tackle under a ton of pressure, and he still did complete 82.6% of his passes. That was all great, but only 170 scoreless passing yards, 58 yards rushing in a score, which kind of bailed him out, but it just left you wanting more once again from the reigning defending undisputed MVP. No doubt, Jack. I think especially redraft players have got to be uh, concerned about Lamar. 
But the rushing touchdown, of course, saved a lot of fantasy players if, if you started Lamar. Um, but I think the story I was looking at was the lackluster debut of Des Bryant. I didn't have a lot of expectations for his first game back, but I was excited just to see what what this uh, what this would look like in the Ravens' offense. He only took two snaps, no catches or targets. Um, I think this is a move that looks really cool on paper, um, but probably doesn't pay off in fantasy. Maybe he gets things going as he gets back into playing shape. But I'm I'm pretty skeptical now of the Ravens' passing attack. So as of right now, my advice is I would stay away from Dez. Uh, in redraft or uh, dynasties, especially. So Lamar's struggles in as a passer meant all the pass catchers had quiet days. Tight end two, Nick Boyle, ended up the leader with four receptions for 46 yards. We got three for 38 from Hollywood Brown. He's got to be still frustrated. The Ravens made him delete a tweet that he wanted the ball more. We also got three for 22 from Mark Andrews, four for 37 from Willie Sneed, and just not what you want from any of them. And the only reason I still do have hope for Des Bryant making an impact is for that very reason. Wide receiver two, Willie Sneed. Wide receiver three, Miles Boykin with the 11-yard catch. Neither of them are very good. So maybe Des comes around later on. Ravens ground game, though, wasn't very good either. Lamar Jackson accounted for over half the yardage. We saw 12 carries for 30 yards from Dobbins, added five yards on two grabs, and Gus Edwards toted 11 times for 23 yards. Fumbled on the goal line, but don't worry, though. Next time the Ravens were on the goal line, they went right back to Edwards, and he scored. Yay! Just free J.K. Dobbins already, please. Other side of the ball, Philip Rivers continues to prove over and over and over again what we have been saying for weeks. His arm is shot. He is washed. Completed just 58.1% of his 43 attempts, 227 scoreless yards, and of course an interception because it's Philip Rivers. No production for the receivers because of it. And although we did get, it was beautiful to see Michael Pittman tied for the team lead with seven targets, caught four for 56. Manny tied with Marcus Johnson, caught two for 14. Add in five for 55 from Zach Pascal, three for 43 from Mo Ali Cox, and only a six yard grab from Trey Burton. Not a good day at all. Also saw Jack Doyle leave with a concussion. He'll be questionable for week 10. I mentioned the fumble return for a touchdown earlier, which of course came on a Jonathan Taylor touch. Jonathan Taylor fumble, who ended up with six carries for 27 yards, 4.5 a pop, solid enough, two grabs for seven yards, and a goal line rushing score, but the fumble just ruins him. Jordan Wilkins had five more carries than Taylor, ends up with 11 carries, 39 yards, negative one receiving yards, and 38 yards on four touches from Naheem Hines. What a day. Yeah, Jack, what a day all around uh, for this backfield and not in a good way. Um, but this is yet a, this is another performance um, uh, by Jonathan Taylor that likely left fantasy players wanting uh, a lot. And I think, you know, for, for um, you know, redraft purposes, this year is probably not the year uh, where he's going to reach his value. But I think for dynasty purposes, um, are you worried at all, Jack, about Jonathan Taylor for this season or even long term? Is he still the running back one? Uh, from this year's draft, or where where would you kind of plug him in, uh, you know, midway through the season? Uh, so I'm worried. I'm going to hold out hope for 2021. When the Colts have Jimmy Garoppolo under center, he'll make the offense better. And it's I hope that a lot of this is Phillip Rivers being so terrible that I'm stacking the box against Taylor. But I am a little bit worried at this point. Yeah, you got to say that the, the landing spot and opportunity were ripe for Jonathan Taylor, but it just hasn't panned out just yet. Um, I think this is a perfect buy low opportunity, though. I feel like things will turn around next year. Um, in terms of the RB1 from the draft class, you got to look at James Robinson. He's making a legit case, as we're going to talk about later on. He's flying the flag for the undrafted free agents. 
And Jack, if the Niners traded Jimmy G to the Colts or the Pats, I wouldn't be mad at all. Anyway, the IDP MVP for this game was linebacker Darius Leonard for Colts. He had 15 total tackles on the day, including one tackle for loss and one fumble recovery. So it wasn't all bad for the Colts. Yeah, I'm sorry about that, buddy, for bringing up Jimmy Gorgeous. I'm sure you were hoping to get a whole day without the 49ers because they played on Thursday, but no dice. We will stick in the North, though, because we the North, am I right, me? But we'll move to the NFC on this one, and we'll talk about the Detroit Lions and the Minnesota Vikings. And, of course, the Lions lost because they're the Lions. They're terrible. Matthew Stafford left in the second half after being pulled off the field, being evaluated for a concussion, finished the day 211 yards passing, TD to Marvin Jones, completed 71.9% of his passes, did have two interceptions, though. Announced after the game he does not have a concussion. He'll be good to go next week. We did see Chase Daniel come in, though. Completed 8 for 13, 94 yards, and a passing touchdown to TJ Hawkinson. Also had a pick, though, so par for the course from Detroit. Marvin Jones finished with 43 yards and a score on those three grabs. TJ Hawkinson, second on the team in targets with eight. I missed on that call. Caught 55 for 39 and a score. And, of course, the nerd was right. And Danny Amendola led the way with 10 targets, 7 grabs, and 77 yards because the Detroit Lions. That just sucks. Uh, just when I think I'm out of liking the Detroit Lions, they just pull me back in. I don't know what it is. I've got some kind of problem that the only cure is is more Detroit Lions. I keep thinking this team is going to make a run. They're going to but they just continue to disappoint me in fantasy and real football. They have they do have a nice month coming up with games, a stretch of games. They get the DC Riveras, they get the Panthers, uh, the Texans and Bears. So I think, you know, those games are somewhat winnable. So maybe all hope isn't lost yet for Detroit, but I don't know. What's wrong with me for even sticking around with this team. And the Lions, of course, made sure to get Adrian Peterson heavily involved in his revenge game against the Vikings, and I continue to die inside with every snap that he gets. 43 yards on 11 touches. Meanwhile, DeAndre Swift gets 97 yards on 16 touches. Can we please stop the charade already? Get Adrian Peterson off the field. Get him off the team. Give Alvin Kamara can respond tonight, but Dalvin Cook looks like he may have taken the throne as fantasy football's top back for 2020. 24 touches, including two receptions, 252 yards, and two tugs, 10.5 yards a touch. Jack, call me crazy, but I think we might have to start legitimately talking about Dalvin Cook as a possible MVP candidate. Um, I don't think he's the front runner by any means. I think we still have players like Russell Wilson at the top of the conversation, but he is literally carrying the Vikings, who were dead in the water not that long ago. Uh, he is carrying the Vikings and thousands of fantasy teams to victories. Now two straight weeks in a row, he is just destroying things. I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but at three and five, I just I don't think we can cross off the Vikings yet because of Dalvin Cook. They've got the Bears, Cowboys, Panthers, and Jags in their next four. Even if they go three and one, they're 500, and I think they still have a puncher's chance to make the playoffs because of freaking Dalvin Cook. I can't believe it. I, I, I'm just blown away by this performance. I can never get on board with running backs for MVP, but he's definitely the team MVP. He is single-handedly making sure that they don't draft a better quarterback and could single-handedly bring them to the playoffs, especially with the expanded playoffs. And now they're talking about adding another team, eight teams per, per conference. So yeah, he could end up taking the Vikings all the way. And for once, though, he didn't hog all the points. Kirk got to throw it 20 times this game. Good for Kirk. Completed 13, 220 yards, three scores, and two of which went to Swervin Irvin. Irv Smith Jr. caught two balls, 10 yards on his, and two scores, while RB3 Amir Abdullah scored a 22-yard reception. Oh, wait, sorry, you were hoping for Double J and Thielen? 
Well, Justin Jefferson, three for 64. Adam Thielen, two for 38. Sorry about that. Yes, um, not, not a great day for um, Thielen and Justin Jefferson, but it was a great day for our IDP MVP, Viking linebacker Eric Wilson. He had 13 total tackles, one pass defended, half a sack, a quarterback hit, and one interception. A very nice day in the box score for Mr. Wilson. And this one was a pretty slow game, which, you know, is exactly how the Titans and Bears wanted it to go. Bears may have wanted to score, play better, score more points, fall to 5-4. and four. The Titans certainly happy as they go to 6-2, and two, despite not having to do much at all. Desmond King, the all-pro slot cornerback that the Titans traded for, scores on a fumble return. Ryan Tannehill tosses two touchdowns, but only completes 47.6% of his passes, 158 yards. And 101 of those yards and one of those scores went to A.J. Brown, who, as I keep stressing, is the DK Metcalf of the AFC. We also saw a beautiful sight of Jonu Smith in the end zone, caught the other score, caught two balls for 32 yards. Get that man the ball more, please. And oh, yeah, Corey Davis. Remember him? Goose egg on three targets. Ha! Also a frustrating day for Derrick Henry. 21 carries, 68 scoreless yards. Jack, I, can you believe at one time Ole Miss had A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf on the same team? I mean, that just blows my mind just to think about now. But uh, anyways, you're right. This was a slower day for the Titans, um, but that's not really surprising to me. Despite the Bears being kind of wishy-washy this year, I still think they have a good defense despite um, playing, uh, you know, um, with a bad offense. Um, I think that things, you know, aren't going to get easier for the Titans, though, however. They have the Colts. Ravens and the Colts again in the next three weeks. So the reason why I'm bringing this up is I still think you need to play, you know, you need to play and start players like Tannehill, uh, Brown, Henry, and Jonu. But keep that in mind for your expectations. This might be a rough stretch of games if you have a lot of stock in those players and, um, you know, might be a kind of a rough month going ahead. Just a reminder that the Bears are who we thought they were. Good job by Nick Foles, though. He did have 335 yards passing and two scores. Took him 52 attempts, but he completed a very nice 69% of them. Spread the ball around quite a bit. Seven grabs for 81 yards from Allen Robinson. Five for 59 from Anthony Miller. Five for 43 from Darnell Mooney. And six for 55 from Jimmy Grandpa, who also had one of those touchdowns. Who else had the other receiving touchdown, though? Ryan Nall, the RB3. Ends up with four grabs, 35 yards, and a score. No carries, though, while David Montgomery compiled an unimpressive 42 yards on 17 touches. What the heck, Chicago? What the heck, indeed, for Chicago. This team is in sort of a no-man's land when it comes to roster construction. Um, you know, they might be good enough to make the playoffs, especially with that seventh team, that extra, that extra playoff spot. But I don't think they're good enough to make a run a deep run in the playoffs. And and if they miss the playoffs, they're not bad enough to probably land in the top 10 where they would need to be to get one of those top three or four quarterbacks, uh, which appears to still be their biggest problem going forward. I think Nick Foles is fine, but clearly they still have not solved that problem long-term. Uh, so stop me if you've heard this before. The Bears aren't very good at quarterback. Uh, they're maybe below average or average at best. Uh, which I think still will hurt the fantasy value of everyone on that team. I, I just think I feel so bad for players like Allen Robinson. I mean, uh, this guy just needs to either end up somewhere else or Chicago needs to give him some more help. There's always next year, Chicago. There's always next year. Stop me if you've heard that one before. Um, a few IDP quick hitters here. So as Jack mentioned, Desmond King 
shows up in his new city after being traded from uh, the Chargers during the week and he gets a touchdown immediately. This is a cornerback who produces big plays often and he also has some return um, skills in his locker. So definitely go out and get him on your roster if you need a cornerback. Also, Roquan Smith had a great game, double-digit tackles. This is what you expect when you come off against Derrick Henry. The guy gets fed the ball, someone's going to stop him. So Roquan Smith is a beneficiary. But he was not the IDP MVP, MVP about this game. It was linebacker Jayon Brown from the Tennessee Titans. He had 10 tackles, including one tackle for loss, one sack, one pass defended, one forced fumble, and one quarterback hit. A very busy day for Mr. Brown. This brings us to the start of Luton Palooza. Oh, okay. We'll workshop the name, but I don't think it can beat Minshew Mania. But on his second pass attempt in the NFL, we saw a 73-yard touchdown from Luton to DJ Chark. Do, 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 do. And it was Luton's only passing score of the day. But he also rushed for a 13-yard TD as well. Top 300 yards in his first start, 304 to be exact. Completed 68.4% of his passes. And in general, was just pretty good. Still couldn't pull off the win though, as they lost twenty-seven to twenty-five to the Houston Texans. Yeah, if we're still if we're still fishing around for a nickname for Luton, I you know shout out to Biggie Smalls. Give me the Luton. Give me the Luton. Uh, you know he he held his own as a rookie for a sixth round rookie. Um, you know what's with the Jags being being good at at snagging sixth round uh, Pac twelve quarterbacks? That's such a weird niche for them. But anyways, uh, I think there's no reason to rush Menchu back if he's still hurt. Uh, the Jags are are probably the league's most fun bad team, no matter who they have at quarterback. They just have a lot of fun players to watch. It's just a fun story all around. But at this point, I really think they should try to be staying in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. So uh, you, we're probably going to see more Luton. Um, and actually, I think I would grab him and stash him on your taxi squad in Dynasty if you have a spot available. I mean, who knows? I mean, he probably isn't the long-term solution in Jacksonville, but he could be playing for uh, another job somewhere else. What about shooting Luton? How about that for a nickname? I like it. I did. I like that too. I think, think shooting Luton might be it. I think that might be it. And so, as we already said, DJ Chuck found the end zone and is a damn monster. Seven grabs, 146 yards, and the score. Unfortunately, LaVisca Chanel aggravated his hamstring injury, left the game after a negative one yard reception. Instead, we got seven for 52 from Chris Conley. Yay. Four for 47 for Tyler Eifert. Hooray. And Keelan Cole, only six yards on one crab. That was kind of disappointing. But what isn't disappointing is James Robinson, who continues to prove that he is the next Arian Foster. UDFA had 99 yards and a score on 25 carries. Unfortunately, goose egg in the passing game at, on two targets because Chris Thompson annoyingly had to get in there for four grabs and 35 yards. I hate that, but you cannot hate Deshaun Watson and what he did to get the win for the Texans. Second win of the year, and surprisingly enough, both have come against the Jags. I don't know what that says, but only a 59.4% completion rate, still 281 yards, two scores, another 50 yards as a runner, and also saw his top two receivers ball out. Will Fuller, five balls, exactly 100 yards and a score. Brandon Cooks, 83 yards and a score on just three grabs. More of this, please. Let Watson sling it like that. David Johnson unfortunately suffered a concussion early in the first quarter and did not return. Finished with 16 yards on two carries, while his replacement Duke Johnson had 41 yards on 16 carries, four grabs for 32 yards, so 78 yards from scrimmage on the day, and a rushing touchdown. So he's going to be one of the top waiver wire ads and a plug-and-play starter if David Johnson misses any time with the concussion. Yes, yes, yes. The Dukes of Hazard finally gets his chance as a starting running back in the league. The truth is out there. 
I know they've been holding on for the last two or three years, but his time is now. Anyway, uh, IDP MVP for this game was Jaguars linebacker Miles Jack. He had 11 tackles in total, including one tackle for loss, one pass defended, and one forced fumble. A shining light on a close run thing for the Jaguars. Texans getting a win seems to put a smile on the face of our boss at nonsense underscore Steve, Steve Bonham. To him and hear a word from our sponsors. We are back, and the Russell Wilson for MVP candidacy took a massive hit in Buffalo as the Seahawks were beaten 44 to 34. Even in a game that he struggled, though, he still completed 68.3% of his 41 attempts, 290 yards, and two touchdowns. He also, however, tossed two critical picks, one in the end zone while down four things. And 4-20, that led to a Bills touchdown one play later. Still time left, though. It's not a long shot. And then Russ takes a sack, fumbles it. And now Bills Mafia is just going to be hella cocky for the next week. DK Metcalf, though, remains an absolute monster. Seven receptions, 108 yards, and that makes it six times in seven games where he's top 90 yards. Unfortunately, it's become a trend, though. When Metcalf falls out, Lockett is quiet. Four for 40 on seven targets. While David Moore caught four receptions, 71 yards, and the other score. While tight end Jacob Hollister gets involved a little bit. A nice five grabs for 60-yard action. What a weird day for Seattle. You know, I don't, I don't know what happened. I don't know if they jinxed themselves or what. But you get Russ trademarking his own catchphrase about Russ. Let Russ cook. Uh, and then he cooks up a stinker. Pete gets paid, and then the Hawks get housed. So I, I don't know, um, you know, to quote Hurricane Helms. What's up with that? And the Seattle backfield was a split right down the middle. Looks like they're pretty established roles in the post-Chris Carson era if he continues to miss. Seven carries for 31 yards and a score from DJ Dallas. 16 yards for six carries for Homer. So it's clearly Dallas, the main runner. But Homer caught three balls for 64 yards, ends the day with nine touches for 80 yards from scrimmage, while Dallas catches two balls for eight yards, finishes with nine touches for 39 and the score. So both of these guys are going to get some work. We move on to the Bills. And after a couple weeks of struggles, Josh Allen back to life with the second 400-yard passing game of his career. Completed 81.6% of his passes. Seattle's defense is terrible. 415 yards, three passing scores, plus a 14 yards and another score on the ground. The MVP race for Josh Allen is back on. Stephon Diggs with a marvelous nine grabs, 118 yards, although it would have been nice if he found the end zone. John Brown, eight for 99. He looks healthy again. And then we see Gabriel Davis, four grabs, 70 yards in a score, which ultimately leads Cole Beasley to a quiet day, just three for nine. While Isaiah McKenzie, he ends up catching a touchdown for 25 yards. And Tyler Croft adds one from one yard out. Biggest news, though, Zach Moss may have taken over this backfield. Nine carries to Singletary's two. Out touches him 11 to 5. Moss ends up with only 18 yards rushing on nine carries, but he finds the end zone to save his fantasy day and adds 30 yards on two grabs. So Singletary may just be the scat back now. He ends up with three grabs, 33 yards, and one yard on his two carries. Very interesting to see how this plays out. Very interesting indeed. Now, this game, look, the Bills got paid. All right. <laughs> and the defense cashed in. They That's how you beat Russell Wilson. You, you beat him up. You put him on the ground early and often, and the key beneficiary from that was IDP MVP AJ Klein, the linebacker from the Bills. He had five total tackles on the day, including one tackle for loss, two sacks, one pass defended, one forced fumble, which he then recovered, and four quarterback hits. Big day. So we're going to move from who was the MVP candidate, although Russ may have taken a slide now, 
into who is probably now the leader, in-house leader for MVP, I would say, ahead of Aaron Rodgers anyways, in Patrick Mahomes. He dueled out with the reigning 2019 fantasy MVP in Christian McCaffrey, McCaffrey as the Chiefs narrowly beat the Panthers 33-31 to and improved to 8-1. and Patrick Mahomes is a damn boss. 66.7% completion rate, 372 yards, and just four scores, just casual. Absolutely love to see it. Massive day from Travis Kelsey, who leads the team with 10 grabs and 159 yards. And Tyreek Hill, though, leads the team in fantasy points. Nine grabs, 113 yards, and another two scores. The man just keeps finding the end zone. It's infuriating. Demarcus Robinson and Mecole Hardman continue to rotate in. Both catch three balls. Hardman gets 48. Robinson gets 34 and a score. And the final passing score goes to Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Has three grabs, has 20 yards, and has the tud, but only adds 14 yards on five carries. Still far and away better than Le'Veon Bell, though. Eight yards, four carries, and a negative five-yard catch. Bell is just done. I'm sorry. No need to apologize, Jack. I I, I feel you there. Um, but this was a really fun game to watch on Red Zone. It's probably the game I was paying the most attention to early on in the in the day. Um, the Panthers are really fun to watch. I think they're really close to being a good team. Um, they have a lot of fantasy assets that are worth keeping up with. Uh, and they gave Kansas City all they could handle, which I think was was really cool. Uh, and it was interesting to see how the Panthers were still able to keep Mike Davis involved, even with run CMC being back. Uh, David, Davis was, was quiet on the run game. He only had one carry for three yards, but he still caught five passes for, for 34 yards. So in PPR, I mean, that's giving you, you know, 8.4 uh, points. Not terrible, not bad for a flex position. Uh, besides being the obvious handcuff to run CMC, uh, should fantasy players still keep Mike Davis on their roster? Uh, I, for, so I'd like for you to answer it either way, with CMC or without. So um, in either scenario, would you still keep Mike Davis rostered? Look, Doc, I think you have to keep uh, Mike Davis on the roster because this is November. This is when the weather changes in many parts of America. And this is when it, this is handcuff season. I, there's no other way to put it. Guys have been going down. And in some situations, the secondary run back has been getting more work. I mean, we're seeing it with guys like Devontae Booker, um, Anthony McFarland. Chase Edmonds is a classic example of a handcuff who is now a starting running back. You just don't know when you can predict carries, but you can't predict injuries. You need your handcuffs at this time of the year. So I do think that Davis is purely a handcuff and change of pace back, but when the weather gets colder, it is cuffing season and you need those handcuffs. I wish my love life knew that, but I digress. We still did see Christian McCaffrey with a whopping 28 touches in his return, though, so I really don't think Davis has any value on a week-to-week -week basis. Purely a backup, 18 very nice carries for 69 yards from McCaffrey and a touchdown, 10 receptions, 82 yards, and a touchdown as well. All told, we get 28 touches, 151 yards, and two tutties. It's so great having Christian McCaffrey back. Fortunately, we can't say the same about DJ Moore, who's gone once again. Two receptions for 18 yards. I am livid. Like, how do you do that to him? How do you keep going away from him? I don't get it. Bobby Anderson was fine. Nine grabs for 63 yards. Would have liked to see him bump those yards up a little bit, but whatever. Curtis Samuel, though, has the day again. Nine grabs, 105 yards, and a touchdown. Three carries for 13 yards. And Joe Brady. He is an offensive mastermind, and I really think he should be getting head coaching looks at the end of the offseason. But he is really messing with my fantasy teams, and I'm not happy. You know what? I Because I got upset there about the whole 
DJ Moore thing. I can't believe it, but we have waited this long to talk about the love for my man, Teddy Two Gloves Bridgewater. Or maybe it's Teddy Three TDs, if you prefer. Completed 73.5% of his passes. The sixth time this season, he's completed over 70% of his passes in nine games. 310 yards, the third time he's topped 300 yards on the air, and threw for two touchdowns and added a third with his legs. Let's go. You have to love Teddy Bridgewater. Come on. Teddy Two Gloves is awesome, and he nearly pulled out the win. If it wasn't for an untimely miss by Graham Gano, we'd have been talking about a great upset by the Panthers. Nevertheless, we've got to get the MVP award for the IDP player of the, this game, and it's safety Sam Franklin. Now, Franklin is filling in for Jeremy Chin, who was injured in this matchup. Inactive, sorry, with an injury. And Franklin had seven total tackles, including one tackle for loss, one sack, and one quarterback hit. So if you need safety help in your leagues, or if you have Chin on your roster, Sam Franklin is definitely worth a look in case uh, Chin has to miss more time. We'll move from the Panthers and Chiefs to a rival from each, as the Atlanta Falcons hosted the Denver Broncos, and the Falcons got the 34-27 victory. Matt Ryan looked like Matt Ryan, completed 71.4% of his passes, 284 yards and three scores, just a classic Matt Ryan day, but of course you know he added in a pick in there because it is Matt Ryan, and you'd think with that with Calvin Ridley out, you'd see a big day from Julio, and he was fine, 5 for 54, scores a touchdown, or you'd see a big game from Russell Gage, just two grabs for 11 yards because we know he's bad, or you'd think you'd see a big game from Hayden Hurts, who again, solid, 7 grabs, 62 yards, but no, 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 instead, it was the University of Virginia's all-time leader in receptions, Alameda Zacchaeus, gained 103 yards and a touchdown on only four grabs. All the man does is make plays when given the chance. It happens over and over again. Happened last year, happens this year. Alameda Zacchaeus is better than Calvin Ridley. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. Stop the count. Stop the count. That take is erroneous, Jack. Erroneous on all accounts. How dare you besmirch the good name of Calvin Ridley on this podcast. Alameda was great. Don't get me wrong, sure. But I think it's because Calvin really didn't play. Uh, if we see all of them on the field at the same time, yeah, you know, you, you, there's a lot of potential from there. But I think Ridley's going to eat first, uh, first and foremost. Okay, okay, fine. But could you at least give me Alameda Zacchaeus over Russell Gage? Can we agree on that? He should be starting? Yeah, let's. we can agree on that. That, that, that okay. works. Okay, thank goodness. As long as, as long as you don't hate Zacchaeus. Because, oh, I love that man. Don't love Todd Gurley, though. He continues to be the most touchdown-dependent running back in the NFL. 19 carries, 53 yards, another 2.8 yards a carry, and two grabs for two yards, but the touchdown gets him over 10 points once again. Ryan Hill doesn't offer much else. 24 yards, eight carries, so three yards pop. Nothing as a receiver, so kind of disappointing from the Falcons' ground game. Drew Locke takes the L. Looks sort of med doing it. 313 yards is, don't get me wrong, but it took him 48 attempts, and he only completed 52% of them. Gets two touchdowns, also has an interception. So Jerry Judy, though, he looks like a star in the making. Draft or this looks like the star he was drafted to be. Seven grabs, 125 yards, and a touchdown. And then we get KJ Hamler, who looks like the sidekick that he was drafted to be with 75 yards on five grabs. I love the future of this Broncos offense. And we get Tim Patrick. He was a little bit quiet in his return from a hamstring, only 29 yards on four grabs, but he finds the end zone as well. So when Cortland Sutton comes back, just Oh, this is going to be so amazing. Unfortunately, though, Noah Fant aggravates the ankle injury and left in the first half. Finishes with 45 yards on three grabs. Uh, Jack, that 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 one is rough for me uh, with Fant going out again. He was a player that I liked a lot 
coming into the season. I really thought he could be that next dominant fantasy tight end, but so far he's been pretty far from that. He hasn't had a touchdown uh, since week two. Yikes. Um, I really think, though, this says more about how meh the Denver Broncos offense has been so far. I mean, I think they have a lot of talent, like you mentioned, but I'm I'm not sure. I don't think Drew Locke is the guy to unlock all of that talent. And so until they – until they can figure that out, I think we're, we're still going to be left uh, with so much left, you know, a lot of meat left on the bone for this offense. Yeah, I think next year they're going to have a guy like Fields. They're going to have a guy like uh, Trey Lance. They're going to have a guy like Zach Wilson, Mac Jones. Not Drew Locke. Time to move on from him. And just as dusty as Drew Locke, though, is the Broncos' backfield. And that's what happens when you're down and the old line is bad. Lindsey, eight carries, 23 yards. Gordon, seven touches, 27 yards. Just yuck. Yuck. Yeah, it was not a good day for the men in orange, but um, it was a good day for the Falcons, who bounced back after a, a couple of rough results. And the IDP MVP is from the Falcons. It's linebacker Foyesade Oluokun. Now, he's the guy who's taken over the, the linebacker unit for the Falcons because it, this has really been Deion Jones' team or his defense for the last couple of years. But Foyesade Oluokun came on towards the end of last year, and he's, he's taken over in terms of production. And today he had 10 total tackles, one tackle for loss, one sack, one pass defended, and one quarterback hit. A good day for Mr. Oluokun. We'll round out the 1 o'clock slate with the NFC. Least, I mean, East, no, I don't. I really don't. I don't know why I'm bothering to pretend I... I this, is, this division stinks. It's a travesty that we're going to see someone so undeserving host a playoff game. So the Giants move to two and five. Both those wins come against the Washington football team. Terrible. We do have some unfortunate news. Kyle Allen looked to have suffered a season-ending leg injury in the second quarter. Our thoughts are with Kyle. We wish him well in his rehab, and we hope to see him back soon. Allen was five for seven for 62 yards when he left the game. Alex Smith comes in, and we see the return of Alex Smith. Yay. Amazing. Completed 75% of his passes. Beautiful. Puts up 325 yards. Alex Smith is back. Has a touchdown pass to Terry McLaurin. Also throws three interceptions, though. Ron Rivera has already come out and said Alex Smith will be the starter in Week 10 against the Detroit Lions, so that could be a big day in terms of fantasy. So is this Smith's team going forward, or if he falters against Detroit, is there any chance that the team turns back to Dwayne Haskins? Well, I don't, you know, I don't see why they don't at least uh, give Haskins another shot. They're really, you know, they're not going to make a serious run this year with Haskins or with Alex Smith. They invested a first round pick in Haskins last year. Uh, You know, he was benched after week four with the excuse or with the, well, I shouldn't say excuse, with the explanation, meaning that he needed more time to develop, uh, you know, within the system and the offense. He has a whole nother month of, of being a pro and learning the offense under his belt. And they really need to know what they have right now because they're really, uh, you know, chances are they're going to be drafting in the top 10 again. There could be four to five quarterbacks in this draft, Lawrence Field, Lance, Jones, and Wilson, who all could be first round picks. And the DC Riveras really need to know if they have, uh, if they need to go out and get one of those players or not. Um, Look, I'm going to go in a different direction on this one. I feel like there is change coming in DC and it's not just at the White House. Riverboat Ron Rivera is changing the team culture among players at at the football team. And the the only way Haskins is back under center is if he shows Ron that his attitude has changed. He's had one too many instances where he hasn't shown leadership as as a quarterback should. 
he had an incident where he brought a family friend to a hotel room which breached uh, coronavirus protocols in these times when players get infected. And even when your coach has cancer, that's, that's a big no-no. Anyway, Haskins can bowl. He's, he's a decent quarterback, and he's got his former college teammate on the team in Terry McScorin. But Rivera's hard-nosed on these things. I felt like he showed that in Carolina as well. And he does not wave when it comes to discipline, and he's not going to tolerate nonsense. He takes his chances on fourth downs, but not with team culture. And so we've already said Terry McLaurin balled out, catches the aforementioned touchdown on one of his seven grabs, ends up with 115 on the day, but he wasn't the only wideout for Washington to top the century mark. 2018 UDFA from Alabama, Cam Sims, hits 110 yards on three grabs, so good for him, love to see that. And in the backfield, though, continues to be a split, complete right down the middle. Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick, it's infuriating. So we get six carries and three receptions for 55 yards and a rushing score from Gibson, while McKissick gets not, catches nine balls, leads the team in targets with 14, and gets three carries, totals 82 yards. Smith is the starter going forward, though. McKissick's going to be a total PPR monster. Leading the team with 14 targets at running back? It's ridiculous. Fortunately, though, just three for 28 from the love of at that FF nerd, Jason Dravens like Logan Thomas. So that's got to hurt. Giants get the win, though. Not pretty. On paper, Daniel Jones looks pretty fine. 67.6% completion rate, 34 attempts, 212 yards, and he has a score and doesn't turn it over. But that's only because both of his fumbles, yes, that's right, he fumbled twice still. They were both recovered by the offense, so it doesn't show up in the stat sheet. Daniel Jones remains bad. So does this offense. Just 39 yards on six grabs for Sterling Shepard. Darius Slayton with one reception. Pardon? Somehow UDFA from Ohio State, Austin Mack leads the team, 72 yards on four grabs. Like, what's with that? I don't know. And then Evan Ingram finds the end zone. Still just 48 yards and five receptions on 10 targets. Giants are infuriating. And with the the offense not getting going, the ground game kind of did, I guess. Wayne Gallman ends up with 77 yards from scrimmage and a score. Alfred freaking Morris has 67 yards, averages 74 yards or 7.4 yards a carry. Like, what's with that? I, I don't understand the NFC East, and I want to stop talking about them. <laughs> it's like we're back in 2012. We've got Des Bryant playing again, Antonio Brown's back on the field, and Alfred Morris kept carrying the rock for some team. Uh, strange times indeed. Anyway, um, on the defensive side of the ball, I think we can safely say for the rest of the uh, fantasy season, start your defensive and special teams against NFC East. So start against the football team, the Giants, the Eagles, and the Cowboys with confidence. That also applies to our IDP guys. So, the IDP MVP for this game is safety Cameron Curl. Now, Cameron Curl is taking over from Landon Collins, who is out for the season with an Achilles injury. And Curl had 11 total tackles, one tackle for loss, one sack, and two quarterback hits. So, again, start your defensive and special teams against the NFC East, and the same goes for IDP players. As always, me finds a ray of sunshine while I continue to be pessimistic and want to vomit. I'm glad that's over, though, but I still do need a reset, so we'll take a break and hear a word from our sponsors. Our friends at Monkey Knife Fight combine the fun and excitement of Vegas with DFS to make the ultimate daily fantasy prop game. That's right, and there are three ways for you to play. Stat Shootout, Rapid Fire, and more or less. 
stat shootout, you put together a two or three player team that will accumulate the most of whatever stat you've chosen to play. Touchdowns, total yards, receptions, etc. Then you choose one of three target goals for that stat. If your team exceeds your chosen goal, you'll win. And the higher the target goal, the more you win. So if I choose a three-man team for touchdowns, I can set the target at one and a half touchdowns to pay out one and a half times the entry fee. Or I can go big with a target of three and a half touchdowns to pay out 15 times the entry fee. Obviously, you gotta go big or go home. Then we've got Rapid Fire, where you select your team by choosing the highest scoring player in multiple head-to-head matchups of statistical categories, like who has more receptions this week, Julio or Devontae Adams. Each contest will tell you how many matchups you need to get right in order to win. But like we said, the higher risk, the higher the reward. Yup, I only need to get two out of three matchups right, and I win 1.5 times my entry. But then, when I go all in, and I can get five out of five, I'm looking at 15 times the payout. I can buy a lot of Josh Jacobs jerseys with that money. You sure can. Finally, there's more or less. Depending on the contest, you'll be given two to six players and their statistic target for that game, like Austin Eckler with over under four and a half receptions against the Raiders. You have to decide if that player is going to get more or less than that target number. Just like the others, more or less increases the payout the more risk you take. However, it offers the highest return. You can go two for two and get 1.5 times the payout, or you've got the nerve. You can attempt to go six for six and hit 30 times the payout. So many Josh Jacobs jerseys. Well, the only thing better than winning money from Monkey Knife Fight is getting money from Monkey Knife Fight for free. I do love free. Just go to Monkey Knife Fight to sign up for a free account. When you make your first deposit, use promo code nonsense and monkey knife fight will match your deposit up to fifty dollars this is literally playing with house money guys go sign up on monkey knife fight with the promo code nonsense and get in on the action this weekend we are back and that will bring us to the evening slate and we'll get this over with and talk about another cowboys loss but we did manage to see the former quarterback of the Orlando Apollos in the AAF, Garrett Gilbert, get the start, and he almost leads the Cowboys to a victory over the undefeated Steelers. Alas, it was not meant to be. Dallas falls 24-19 to Pittsburgh. Love to see the former AAF star lighting it up on the biggest stage, but really it was the Steelers' D that was eating Gilbert Grape uh, this week. They And the Steelers, you know, if we look at their schedule, it's pretty light down the stretch. For the next month, they get the Bengals at home. They go to the Jags. They get the Ravens at home, who they just won on the road. Uh, They get the D.C. Riveras at home. Uh, Any chance that we're going to look at the Steelers making a run at 16-0? Well, Doc, we could see a 16-0 and an 0-16 season from the Jets, as well as the 16-0 potential Steelers, in the same season. Oh, that's just so ugly to think about. And so because the Cowboys led for so much of the game, we did see a lot more Big Ben than we expected. 42 pass attempts, completed a very nice 69%, 306 yards, and three scores. And it proved that when the Steelers do have to throw the ball, this offense is hella dangerous. We got Juju, 6 for 93 and a score on seven targets. Deontay Johnson catches 6 for 77 on 10 targets. And then Chase Claypool leads the team with 13 targets, leads the team with eight receptions, and finishes with a very nice 69 yards. Touchdowns, however, go to Eric Ebron, three grabs for 22 yards. Frustrating. And then James Washington catches the other one on a 17-yard catch, his lone reception on the day. 
with the Steelers down so much, we didn't see very much of the backs. James Conner, only nine carries for 22 yards and negative two yards on two grabs. So a poor day from him. Three for seven from Anthony McFarland Jr. And three for one yard from Benny Snail. Cowboys, though, they finally did look like an offense again under double G. That was great to see. Garrett Gilbert, he only completed 55.3% of his passes. Don't get me wrong. Also threw an interception, but he did have 243 yards and touchdown pass to C.D. Lamb. And Lamb is just so good. So good. 71 yards on four grabs. He might be the wide receiver one overall when Dak comes back next year, although D.K. Metcalf and A.J. Brown probably hold that mantle right now. They're fighting over it. Amari Cooper, though, 5 for 67. Dalton Schultz, 4 for 48. Michael Gallup, 3 for 36. And then Ezekiel Elliott, of course, he leads the backfield in touches. Once again, though, outperformed by Tony Pollard. Took Zeke 18 carries to get to 51 yards. It only took Tony Pollard 9 carries to get to 57. Really makes you wonder. Maybe they should just shut down Zeke and give Pollard the rock for the rest of the season. See what they got with Tony P. Anyway, that's just my thoughts. IDP MVP for this game is from the Steelers. It is safety Minka Fitzpatrick. Maybe he's the new Fitzmagic. Anyway, Minka had six total tackles, one pick, a fumble recovery, and two pass defended. The new Fitzmagic. I absolutely love it. You have to love the new look Raiders versus the new look Chargers. They square off head to head. And once again, the Chargers are the same team they always have been. They thought they won it 32 31 on the last play of the game. Turns out they lost 31 to 26. L O L. Doesn't get more Chargers than that. But, um, you know, they're not tanking for Trevor Lawrence. I don't, I don't think, obviously, because they have Justin Herbert. Um, but I think this team, just the way that the schedule and the season has worked out so far, you know, they could sort of luck into being uh, bad enough to get the best non-quarterback of the draft, Sewell, Chase, or maybe even trade that pick for a bounty to surround Herbert. So even though the, the Chargers are struggling right now, I'm still very optimistic about them from a fantasy standpoint and from a real football standpoint. Justin Herbert still looks good, too. Completes 66.7% of his passes. Has 326 yards and two scores. One of them goes to fullback Gabe Neighbors, who catches a four-yard touchdown. And then one goes to Keenan Allen, who had nine grabs for 103 yards and the touchdown, because he's a damn boss. Also saw five for 81 from Mike Williams. That was great. Four for 33 from Hunter Henry was not, though. And then we saw a 50-yard grab from Tyron Johnson, which was just wonderful. Running backs, though, Justin Jackson's knee was an issue, so much so that it left Kalen freaking Balage, the worst running back in the history of the NFL while he was with the Dolphins, to get 15 carries, did have a nice 69 yards, and scored a touchdown, adds two grabs for 15 yards as well. So Joshua Kelly, on the other hand, nine carries, 28 yards, and adds five receptions for 31 yards. So I guess with Eckler and Jackson out, he's playing their role, which is dumb and doesn't make any sense. I don't get what the Chargers are doing, but at least Justin Herbert's a stud. And once again, Derek Carr drives at 40 kilometers an hour. That's 25 miles an hour for all our non-metric friends. And he throws the ball 23 times, completes just 56% of his passes, only 165 yards. But he does throw two touchdowns and gets a win, which is just the way he likes to run things around here. It's disgusting. Aaron Waller and Derek Carr couldn't get on the same page. 10 targets, only five receptions, and only 22 yards, but he does get the touchdown to save his day. Nelson Aguilar back in action in a big way with the big plays. Two grabs, 55 yards, and a touchdown. And then Hunter Renfro adds 60 yards on two grabs, while Henry, Re Henry Ruggs gets the goose egg on three targets. So the question is this, guys. Would you rather roll with the car or Lamar as your fancy quarterback in redraft? Well... 
I mean, it's still Lamar, despite having a pretty rough start to the season. But I can't believe it's even debatable at this point. I know that, you know, Carr is is somewhat conservative in his approach to playing the game. But um, the numbers he's putting up as far as touchdowns and and not throwing interceptions uh, means he's, you know, has a pretty decent floor this year. He's having a really good season and, and Lamar is regressing somewhat back to the mean. Uh, but Lamar just still has such higher upside. Um, so I, I still like Lamar the rest of the way, but I do think it's closer than I would have ever imagined, um, you know, coming into the season. Oh, it's Lamar for sure. I, I'm not even going to dignify that with a long response. It's Lamar, end of story. Josh Jacobs limited with an illness and a knee this week. Still has a solid day, 15 touches, 68 yards, and a score. Was outperformed, though, by the healthier Devontae Booker. Has 68 yards on eight carries and also finds the end zone, too. Yes, yes, indeed. And the IDP MVP for this game is linebacker Nick Kwiatkowski from the Raiders. He had 13 tackles in total. It was a lunch pail effort from the inside linebacker. He's come from the LA Rams. He's gone to Vegas, and he's cashing in. If you need a linebacker, he's definitely worth a look. He's He has his boom weeks, um, but he also has a, a decent floor. Tua Tugavaloa makes the second start of his young NFL career in Arizona and gets his second win. The Dolphins are now Tua and O since making the switch, and this game makes it really apparent why they made that switch. So Ryan Fitzpatrick is great. He's a great guy. He's a great teammate, but he's got a ceiling, and he's ultimately going to cost you games when he melts down and tosses all those picks. Tua, on the other hand, is a damn baller. One of the most prolific quarterbacks in the history of college football. And now he looks like a star in the NFL in this game. Completes 71.4% of his attempts, 248 yards, two scores, adds 35 yards on seven carries. And a lot of that came after his wide receiver one left the game. I'm not talking about Devontae Parker. He was fine. Caught 64 on seven targets. Don't worry about him. Well, he lost Preston Williams to a foot sprain on his way to a breakout. Ends up with four grass for 60 yards and a score on five targets. And the injuries leave just so much on the table. So disappointing. He injured himself on that touchdown. And with him out, not much from Mike Kosecki. Caught three for 42. Jakeem Grant will be the wide receiver too if he misses any time. Has four for 25. And Mac Hollins catches an 11-yard score on his only grab of the day. With Miles Gaskin out, we saw a true committee. Jordan Howard leads away with 19 carries and a score. Former running back for the Washington Huskies, though, Salvin Ahmed. Had seven carries for 38 yards. And Patrick Lair was the guy in the two-minute drill, but just one carry for negative one yard, no 17-yard reception. Keep an eye on Ahmed, though. The Dolphins love these UDFA running backs, but most importantly, just keep an eye on Tua. He's fantastic. Honestly, though, this overall was a fantastic game, and I will not be surprised if this is a Super Bowl rematch in the next two to three years. I mean it. The Cardinals are ascending. The Dolphins are ascending. They both have star quarterbacks. Kyler Murray was absolutely electric, completed 80.8% of his passes, 283 yards, three scores, and then goes and adds 106 yards as a rusher and a touchdown. Dude is nuts. Christian Kirk was the guy who benefited the most, led the way with eight targets, five grabs, 123 yards, and a touchdown. But DeAndre Hopkins can't be happy. Caught all three of his targets, gets 30 yards, and they lose. That's not enough for Hopkins in a loss. Chad Larry Fitzgerald gets four for 54. And tight ends Daryl Daniels gets one of the touchdowns, as does Max Williams. Chase Edmonds, though, he was fed the ball 28 times. Ends up with 88 yards, which is super, isn't super efficient. And he didn't score. So that's not what we were hoping out of Edmonds. It was a solid line, but really kind of looked like a Kenyon Drake stat line out there. Yes, Kenyon Drake missed out on the revenge game against um, his old team, Miami. Anyway, um, IDP MVP for this game is from Miami, and it is defensive end Shaq Lawson. 
He had three tackles in total on the day, including one tackle for loss, one fumble recovery, which he returned for a touchdown, mind you, and two quarterback hits. So um, a very productive big play day for Big Jack Lawson and the Dolphins. So we are currently at halftime of the Sunday night football matchup between the New Orleans Saints and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where Drew Brees currently has his team up 31 to nothing. Brees has been carving tonight, went 11 of 12, 118 yards in the first quarter, takes a 14 nothing lead, and then hits Traquan Smith for a touchdown, 13 yards, started off, hits rookie out of the University of Dayton, shout out to the Flyers on a seven-yard grab, Adam Troutman. And then the second quarter, we get Emmanuel Sanders in the end zone, get Alvin Kamara in the end zone, Michael Thomas, 441 at half, Antonio Brown, he's wearing 81, just two grabs for 16 yards as the Bucks' offense struggles. Poor Tom Brady. He's got to be upset right now. Moving to Monday Night Football, though, Sam Darnold didn't practice Saturday after aggravating a sprained AC joint in his throwing shoulder, but Adam Gase continues to mishandle shoulder injuries. He is not expected to start the week, though, so that's a good sign, which means it's time for the return of elite Jets football. Knee with Joe Flacco likely at quarterback. Do you have any IDP maneuvers for us or any bold predictions for Monday Night Stinker against the Patriots as we head out? Thanks, Jack. Well, look, just circling back to last week's pick, it wasn't the best in terms of my Tyler Johnson um, choice, but keep the faith with him in your dynasty leagues, all right? Um, I will say that Carlton Davis had a nice game for the Buccaneers for you IDPers. So let's go back to the well for the Jets versus Patriots game on Monday night. And this week, I really like Neville Hewitt, the linebacker from the Jets. The Jets' D is going to be out there a lot. And that's a function of the offense being as inefficient as it is. It just means more snaps for the defense. And it means more tackles will be on offer. Especially now that... Avery Williamson has been traded away to the Steelers. So it's going to be Neville Hewitt, maybe some Harvey Lange. If um, Blake Cashin's available off IR, they might bring him back. He's a name to consider for dynasty purposes. But, Jack, to answer your question, I think this is going to be a very busy night for the defense, uh, for the gang green. And, look, if you insist on starting a Patriots player for your IDP um, leagues, if you want to throw a Hail Mary, I would consider linebacker Jawan Bentley or cornerback J.C. Jackson. Thank you for joining us once again, Nee. I know we are all truly smarter for having to listen to listen to you, especially on the IDP side. So be sure to follow him on Instagram at the Real NWB. On, we are so happy to have you back. My heart feels complete having the three of us back together. Do you have any insights of the Jets Patriots? And do you have any parting words for all of your fans who so dearly missed you last week? Jack, it's great to be back, and and thanks for having me again. Um, felt weird to not be here last Sunday, so all is right again. Um, but the Patriots are nine and a half point favorites on the road over the Jets. And actually, I would really advise people to stay away from this game. But um, if you're just a degenerate like me, I actually think the Jets might be able to cover even without Darnold. Um, the Pats are a better team, obviously. But I don't know if the Pats are nine and a half points better than anyone right now on the road. So I don't know. I, I'd either stay away or, or take the take the Jets. I mean, if you're really just feeling um, feeling funky. Um, but really, this week, I urge all of our listeners, take a moment out of your busy week to try to learn something new. I don't care whatever it is. It could be related to fantasy or not. Uh, but be, to quote the late, great Alex Trebek, learning something new is fun. And I don't think true words have ever been said. So do yourself a favor, folks. Get out and read a book. Learn a new language. Challenge yourself in some way this week. 
Thank you for that quote, Mr. Trebek. And thank you for joining us once again, Dr. Dynasty. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at DynastyPhD and on Instagram at Skyler underscore from underscore OKC because we should always listen to our doctors. And if you're a Dynasty player who doesn't, you are missing out. So be sure to check out all the amazing content that John, me, and myself, as well as a host of other fantastic people over on importantnonsense.com are putting out daily and on all the socials at NonsenseFF. I've been your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh, and it has once again been a delight to recap the Week 9 slate with you. Stay safe, wear a mask, and most importantly, don't forget to keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!